It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Join us during the week, Fox Business Network. Name the show's Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday. And if for some reason you can't be there at 4, just um, text your favorite nine-year-old who will teach you how to DVR the show. And here you can live stream us on the Internet, LarryKudlowShow.com, LarryKudlowShow.com. Run throughout the country, around the world, and the entire solar system. So let's talk stocks. Actually, it's kind of an ugly week for stocks, particularly the last couple, three days. Stocks were down about, I don't know, 1,200 points. Not too good. We'll bring in Nancy Tangler, the CEO and Chief Investment Officer of Laffer Tangler Investments. She's a um, columnist and author. That, by the way, five-star morning star rating. And Jeff Kilberg, CEO of KKM Financial. Actually, Nancy, you're smart. You're a very smart person. So maybe you can think about We were just talking to Mark Mills of the Manhattan Institute about fusion versus fission. So there's a big breakthrough on fusion from the Lawrence Livermore National Lab. I say you're smart. You probably understand this. I don't understand a word of it. We just did a whole segment on it, and I don't understand it. But is there any um, any commercial companies that actually – are working on fusion? I mean, it may be 50 years away. I guess that's what Mills said. <laughs> but I just wondered, you know, how can you play fusion in the stock market? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, good morning. Uh, I, I'm not sure you can, Larry. I actually um, ha- have had an ongoing correspondence with the CEO of Meridian Energy, who, who is trying to raise capital to build green refineries. And he can't get the capital bill because every time they get somebody interested, um, the, the Bidens open their mouths. And then, you know, everybody runs away from CapEx spending in, tech, in, in oil and energy, right. which is down something like 75 percent from the shale boom. So I, I, I think it's exciting. I think it was also a, a diversion. It's, it's somewhat of a political diversion um, to bring this up at this point because the commercial applications are so far away. But awesome. Uh, I probably won't be around to see it, uh, uh, but I still right. I still think it's great news. Um, innovation has always been how we've solved our problems in this country, um, much more so than regulating um, and trying to make markets in you know have the government become a central planner, which is wh- where we're headed in many instances. That's so, that's the key exciting. point, you know that what you just said: innovation versus central planning. And we had Tomas Philipson was talking about the how. Earlier today, the uh, Biden policies have made us a shadow member of the OPEC uh, cartel. And um, the best way out of that is innovation in the private sector. Jeff Kilberg, do you understand fusion? You're you're a smart guy. Notre Dame education. They teach fusion there. Yeah, I took a minor in fusion. Come on, Larry. You know they taught that <laughs> stuff then. But it is interesting to hear, and I appreciate you starting with a smarter person with Nancy, and she brings up a great point. But, you know, I think our head, when you say fusion, some uh, some smoke does come out of my ears. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, God. All right, kids. Let's get back to work. Jay, That's right. That's right. Jay Powell speaks and the market crashes. All right. That's the way I looked at this. And and by the way, I, I'll start with uh, Nancy on this. 
about as clear as the Federal Reserve institutionally will ever get in forecasting a recession is the way I read Jay Powell. I mean, his uh, estimates, the Fed's estimates are for a half a point growth next year um, and a one point rise in the unemployment rate, which really is is saying we, we're looking for recession to conquer inflation. Institutionally, these agencies never say that, but this is the closest you'll get. And the stock market didn't like any of it. At least that's the way I read it. Tell me, tell me where that's wrong. No, you, well, you're absolutely right. Um, and and I think it's important to to remember that. Uh, well, let me put it this way: there was a headline that came across yesterday that said this is the worst December since 2018, which, if you recall, was Fed Chairman Powell's first bear market right. uh, when he talked too hawkish and then had to flip flop on that as well. I, I think I'm surprised that the market is always surprised by what we already knew. We knew he was going to remain hawkish. We, you know, we were pretty convinced he was going to raise 50 basis points. And he's already said all of this. So in the short term, you get these knee-jerk reactions. But I'm actually starting to become somewhat constructive because I think we're closer to the end than we were. Mm. And you know, this really laser focus on the dot plot drives me nuts because remember in September of 2021, they weren't even going to raise rates until 2023, and they weren't going to even get to 2%, according to the dot plot, until 2024. So the predictive powers of the Fed have been kind of the perfect contrary indicator. And I think the market has, I mean, I know the market has led, Jeff, I'm sure you, you would probably agree with this, has led the Fed all the way through this cycle. And, and so the rhetoric, I don't pay attention to it anymore because the numbers are showing PMIs are rolling over, inventories are declining, shipping costs, wheat, copper, corn, oil, all on the downtrend. And we saw that in the, in the core CPI numbers uh, this last week. So you should be looking forward. You bring up a great point, Nancy. And, and Larry, she just kind of pitched me the ball. So let me run with it here because I think Nancy brings up a great point. Think of the faith and confidence that the market is putting into Fed Chairman Powell and the Fed. And the Fed is, I don't know what the technical term is, but they've been horrible on forecasting. So let's just rewind to her point a year ago. The Fed was talking about inflation being transitory, and we all bet the house that it was transitory. And sure enough, what happened? They had to really shift and move the pendulum. So they moved rates from 1.5% in the 10-year to 4.5% nearly. Look at the two-year. The two-year went from 35 basis points up to nearly 5% in a matter of six, seven months. So I think I agree with Nancy. I am cautiously optimistic. I know you made fun of me after the October lows, Larry, that I was cautiously optimistic. But the economy is in a pretty good place. And I go back to the old bond trader in me. And we have to really understand. And, yes, I'm well aware that the two-year, 10-year treasury curve is inverted. But look where the two-year has come down to. What is that indicating? We're at 4.18%. We've had a dramatic move down as well. We've seen the 10-year tuck under 3.5%. So I do agree with Nancy. I think the worst is in the rearview mirror. But the fact of the matter is that the Fed is wrong. They're going to be wrong. They're going to have to move the goalposts to come back to the market because the market, specifically the bond market, is going to provide leadership like it has all year. Well, Nancy Tengler, um, what's the profits outlook? I still believe profits are the mother's milk of stocks. And... um, uh, Jeff Kilberg said the economy is in pretty good shape. I don't. I don't think it's in pretty good shape. I do think the labor market looks like it's in pretty good shape, but other stuff is not. You were mentioning that PMIs and so forth. The money supply has collapsed. 
the index of leading indicators is plunging. We have bad retail in retail sales negative, industrial production, manufacturing negative. I get all that. Uh, the question is, what are profits? Because I, I think profits have held up better than people might have thought. Agreed. And uh, and so have margins, Larry. Um, so I guess one of the things that no one seems to be talking about is that if you looked at the dollar this year up about 22% at peak, uh, that had about an 8% drag excuse me, on corporate earnings, on S&P company earnings. And now it's down 10%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will provide somewhat of a tailwind. So while you have many strategists coming out and saying earnings are going to be negative, I'm not necessarily convinced. You know, we sit on the conference calls and listen to what managements are saying. And you have a company like Palo Alto Networks, which raised margin guidance and earnings guidance. Uh, Adobe came in very strong. Another company we love, Xylem, uh, has has also raised guidance. So I, I think I think it's going to be a mixed bag, and it's going to matter what you own uh, in the first half of the year, to be sure. Because while I do think we will end 2023 higher than where we are now, uh, it is going to be choppy. The first quarter, I mean, just be ready. I think it's it's going to be um, pretty choppy, and especially so if we get this this monstrous omnibus bill um, through. That that's going to add more in terms of transfer payments somehow or another. And we saw that, we saw the effects of that when the California checks came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that they propped up, you know, um, spending and now we've seen it come back down. So there's so many, you know, there's so many variables as there always are, but maybe even more than usual. I've called this the most complex um, investing climate in my, you know, almost 40 year career. And so I, I think it's important to, to be in high quality companies of reliable growers and even better dividend growers, because that's how you're going to come out the other side of this in good shape. And those strategies have done significantly better as has ours than, and then the market indices. So you, that's where you really want to be, what you want to be thinking about because earnings in some areas are going to be, you know, disastrous and in others, we're, we're going to continue to see strength. Jeff Kilberg, uh, how do you interpret, you have a lot of media, companies uh, laying off, and I, I'm reading in the paper, I guess it was this morning or yesterday, that um, David Solomon of Goldman Sachs is talking about a layoff. How do you read all that, financial services and media layoffs? I think it's a recalibration, Larry, and I think when you look at what the stock market did, the hiring, and look at a name like Amazon. Amazon, you know, my thumb has been sore this holiday season from hitting the app and ordering, so Look at Amazon down 50%, having some layoffs as well. But I think this is a recalibration, a resetting, because it was just so good for so long. So I think Nance brings up a great point of understanding what you own, kind of like a Peter Lynch 2.0, and I actually managed the Essential 40, so Xylem, uh, Palo Alto. And you think about these names, these tangible blue-chip names. You throw in a Berkshire, you throw in a Johnson & Johnson, United Health. I think you have to embrace the dislocation so when you see media when you see meta facebook i, I don't like calling it meta larry i still call mm-hmm. it facebook but when you see all this recalibrating resetting i think you have to be understanding and, and, and embrace that and i was just talking about tesla this week you could argue fundamentally tesla was a buy 75 dollars higher up at 225 but all of a sudden we are now at max elon he's recalibrating twitter there's a lot of political emotion there and it's 75 dollars lower so Tesla's the name we're looking at, but we want to own quality. We're also looking at fixed income for the first time. You know, there's a lot of high quality 
preferreds out there. There's also a lot of high-yielding bonds that were really got damaged and oversold this, this year. So we're rethinking a lot of things going into 2023, but some of the themes, the sector themes, they will persist. We want to own energy. We want to own healthcare, industrials, that, that, that historic shift from growth to value. That will continue because people are going to realize that they have to own quality names, these blue-chip tangible names, as we see continued volatility. But the last thing I would say, there's no panic out there, Larry. I know people are concerned about earnings. Households are in a little better shape. But we have a ton of headwinds. But look at the VIX. The VIX is happily under 25 and it's been there for the last couple of weeks we look at the s&p 500 it hasn't really moved in the last three months we've had a ton of fed meetings a ton of volatility and a ton of digest but i think as we get through no bad news may turn into some good news in 2023 all right, all right. let me take a break i got nancy tangler of lawford tangler investments i got jeff kilberg ceo of kkm financial uh, fairly optimistic assessment after a bad stock market week Maybe we can tear that apart and do some fusion. Or is it fission? Fission or fusion? I don't know. Fusion. We won't. Nancy's right. There's one thing for sure. We are not going to be around to see the fusion if it's 50 years hence. We'll give it our best shot. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Now back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're here talking stocks with Nancy Tangler of Lawford Tangler Investments and Jeff Kilberg of KKM Financial. Um, let me just pose, Nancy, um, You, we were talking about this earlier. You've got a deeply inverted yield curve now. Three-month T-bills at four and a quarter, I'm calling it. The 10 years at three and a half. That's the old New York Fed model that says uh, – the probability of recession in the next year is very high. The conference board index of leading indicators has been falling significantly. The M2 money supply growth actually has turned negative. It's like gone from plus 30 to minus something or other. We're seeing some of these coincident indicators now. Retail sales, industrial production, manufacturing come down. The PMIs look very bad. And the Fed is determined to keep tightening. Uh, my question is, um, is there a significant recession in the cards for 2023? All right, here we are, uh, Christmas weekend minus one. We're at the end of the year. Is there a significant recession next year? And what will the impact be on stocks? Well, there's, yeah. Well, first of all, I, all of those are the things that, that you mentioned, the metrics you mentioned are the things that we look at every single week and day. Uh, and they and they are showing that the economy is slowing and heading for um, recession, in my view. And one of the most important is the one you mentioned, which is leading economic indicators. But the, the yield curve is telling you that as well. But it's also telling you that the Fed's done, because if you look at the two year, it's now below the Fed funds rate. Uh, and I, I'm not saying they are done, but I do think they need to be close being done uh, or this or this recession will become very severe because you know in 1982 when Volcker um, just started to consider um, you know changing policy the market actually began rising before he began cutting I think it was two or three months and erased in three months all of the loss, losses of the previous uh, sell-off or bear market so what I worry about now is not taking enough risk because when this thing is over 
I think stocks will melt up for this reason. They anticipate, so even in years of bad earnings growth, take 2019, uh, we were, I think earnings growth was about 5% for S&P companies, and the index was up 31.5% that year. So I think we will return to multiple expansion uh, as investors see that, you know, managements are managing to the recession, cutting costs. We're actually already seeing that, and that's why owning companies run by, you know, CEOs who have been through this before and have proven to be good operators is where you really want to be focused now going into 2023. I actually think that, as I said earlier, the first quarter is going to be difficult, um, and then I think we begin to see light uh, at the end of the tunnel, which is is not a train, but it is, but is actually um, hopeful. So. I, I can't tell you, Larry, because it's going to matter on policy. I mean, how much more money is the federal government going to spend? How much, you know, how much longer is the Fed going to go? But if if the bond market is right, and it usually is, I think the recession will be somewhat shallow, um, manageable, down one percent maybe on GDP for the year. Um, but and earnings growth will decline, but the dollar will be there as well to to put a backstop. Well, I always like the light at the end of the tunnel, but sometimes. Um, things look, things look darkest before they turn completely black. <laughs> and I want to ask Kilberg. Bah humbug. I got, bah humbug. I, I got it. Look, I'm, <clears throat> I'm an optimist at heart, but you're going to, uh, the right now, the Republicans in the Senate are at war with the Republicans who were taking over the house. It's a theme of this show. And it's been a theme of my TV show. It's a stupid Stupid thing, but the result may be a two trillion dollar omnibus spending bill, which will not help the Fed. It will cause a lot more deficits and borrowing. There are no pay fors ever. They're waiving the budget caps uh, as per usual. I mean, Republicans here are just terrible in the Senate, and um, you know that has inflationary consequences at some point. And Jeff, I don't think you know. I know the bond market is predicting a lighter Fed, but I don't. I don't think the Fed's going to be lighter. Remember, kids. Here, look, here's some numbers: the 12 month CPI, the 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 Cleveland Fed um, median CPI is seven percent. The Atlanta Fed wage tracker is six point four percent. That's a problem. The Fed needs to get to two percent. And that's why I think they are going to overdo it, just like they always do. So Jeff Kilberg handled that. I mean, I think there are tough issues out there. There are tough issues. And I think the first caveat is that the Fed's going to change that 2% target because they can't achieve it. You're absolutely right. But what's interesting is that there are a ton of headwinds. I'm not going to debate that or be naive, Larry. But what's interesting, you brought up two things which I think are being underappreciated. It's the true shock absorbers, which may potentially allow this economy to have a soft landing. And those two components are the money supply. We saw the expansion of their money supply growing from January 2020, from $15 trillion to November of 2021, post-pandemic, up to $21 trillion. That massive expansion, they're trying to get a little bit of that toothpaste back in the tube, and it's not working. Look at the balance sheet, Larry. It was at nearly $9 trillion. If they continue on their current pace of $95 billion, which sounds like a lot, 
they're still going to be above $8 trillion by the end of next year. So that lofty balloon swollen balance sheet, which now they have to service at a much higher debt, which is another problem for another show. But what's fascinating to me is I think the bond market is providing leadership. It is showing at the Fed that you have moved the pendulum once again too far. So they will come back to the market in the same way they came to the market when you saw the 10-year and the two-year moving higher in Q1 of 2022. So I do take a little bit of solace in that the Fed is historically wrong. And I do take a little bit of solace that we have some gridlock in Washington per usual that goes back to when you were in the administration in the 80s. And I think that type of gridlock post-midterm election year, no one's really talking about, that gives a little bit of certainty. And to Nancy's point, the biggest risk I think right now in the marketplace is not being invested. Okay. I just wanted to lay it out there. That's all. Um, That's the light at the end of the tunnel. I get that. I get that. It's going to be a bumpy road. It's going to be a bumpy road. You're absolutely right. There's a lot for us to digest as investors. But I think when you look at the overall market, look, Look overseas at China. China may reopen. That could be a little bit of wind in the sails that no one's really anticipating. And and the PMIs in France, Germany, and the Eurozone at large have been rising over the last couple of months. That's interesting. Oh, my God. Don't get me started on Europe. Oh, my God. (laughs) Nancy Tangler, thank you. Jeff Kilberg, thank you, folks. We're going to do some money in politics on the other side of the break. We have John Fund and Steve Moore, and um, we're going to talk about this uh, betrayal The Senate Republicans are betraying the new House Republican conference. It's a terrible story. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. 